Hello and welcome, Friar Town. Today is March 23rd, and I'm going to be joined by Kevin Farahar in an emergency podcast as we break down the Ed Cooley departure and the potential incoming head coach, Kim English. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. What's going on, Friar Town? Billy Ritchie here from Orlando, Florida. In an emergency podcast with the great Kevin Farhar. I'll let Kevin jump on in a second. But as I'm sure you are all aware, the status, the head coaching situation, the state of our program, and a lot has certainly happened since the end of the NCAA tournament just last week. As a lifelong Rhode Islander, and Providence native, I just don't think I could have scripted the end to the Ed Cooley Providence marriage like it's seemed to turn out in these past couple weeks. I know this potentially extends longer than just the past couple weeks, but how things have escalated and, and how our program has changed in such a short time, which could be again for the better or for the worse, I just could have simply never imagined. Looking back at the middle point of this Big East season and how steady we were, how we've been ranked for consecutive weeks, Bryce Hopkins coming into his own, Devin Carter truly loving his experience at PC transferring from South Carolina, some great glue pieces like Ed Croswell and Alan Bree, to then just simply not performing in the last five or six games of the season to the Kentucky loss in the tournament to the first half of the UConn game and the Big East tournament to senior day, all, everything just changed so quickly. And as I wrote in my article, you know, this, this all just happened so fast. And if, and if you're listening to the start and just saying, yes, Billy, like it all happened so fast, I just never could have imagined this ending the way that it did. And yeah, as a, again, a lifelong Rhode Islander Providence native to see Ed Cooley go to a rival big East team. Yeah. It bothers me to see you know, how we handled the situation. Nobody's perfect. And I am no one to judge. It bothered me, but what really bothered me was the Kentucky game. And I'm just going to let Kev jump in introduce the topic and we're just going to dive right into that Kentucky game. Yes. Yeah, so Bill, real quick, I, I did want to take a step back as you were talking, I was thinking that I think when I, when I think of Cooley leaving, I'll always think back to the Villanova game in mid February, where I don't think I've ever seen a Providence press conference. That was so almost giddy. That was, they had just beaten Creighton in double overtime. Right. And they beat Villanova. I think they'd gone like 15 and four since, that you know kind of bad looking november it Kurtang was there it was like it, you know Kurtang and the big 2024 crew just talked about how he got chills there it, it seemed like they were on top of the world and that was the middle of february and you would have never guessed that three weeks later when they're playing kentucky that there was no energy behind pc and kentucky 
you know, Bryce Hopkins going against his old team. Like it was completely unfathomable. And it, it, it's such a sign of like, just how much people kind of knew this day was coming before it even did. And, and that's the thing, the season completely tanked uh, coincidental or not. Um, you know, after Cooley had, had been at Georgetown and won there, but, um, and that, it was, it was so bizarre to watch PC play Kentucky Friday night primetime. And it seemed like no one, re- no one cared. I mean, they cared, but no one was invested. No one was excited. And um, it, just the whole thing leaves such a sour taste in everyone's mouth. 12 years ago, leaving the Kino era in the past, which we were very happy to at that time, leaving the inconsistent Tim Welsh era in the past, we still would have prayed as hard as we could at the St. Dominic Chapel that we would draw Kentucky in a 6-11 matchup with a Kentucky transfer. Just truly an unprecedented story and mark for our program. I know a lot has changed in college basketball with the transfer rules, but the fact that we would have a Kentucky transfer facing Kentucky in the first round of the NCAA tournament and just nobody, like you mentioned, was that invested in it at the end of the day, right? And, and all the answers in the postgame seemed hollow and seemed just non-invested in, in what had happened. Because to be down seven at the half and simply just score 22 points in the second half in a very winnable game, I know Oscar had an incredible rebounding performance but at the end of the day, as we talked about offline, Kev, that game was completely winnable. It well, and the path was great. I mean, Kansas State is good, but they were beatable. And then you'd be at MSG, but it, it never. It's almost like that crossed people's minds, but no one is really excited about the prospect of them potentially going to MSG because it seems so unrealistic. And I think everyone who was paying attention somewhat, I mean, by the week of the Big East tournament, everyone heard these Cooley rumors, and then. You know, what was so disappointing, and I know Cooley couldn't say much, but I remember Frank Carpano the night of the Selection Sunday show, um, you know, asked him about the Georgetown rumors, or he said the rumors, and Cooley was like, well, what rumors are those? And at that point, it was like, come on, man, like, you know what the rumors are, like, what are we doing here? And I just thought it was just handled so poorly, and and I, and I wrote this this week, I never thought, I was never one of those people that was like, oh, Cooley's here for life, this is his dream job, this, you know, this is, I mean, if we've learned anything the last 20 years, like people are going to, changes are going to happen. I never, I thought there might be a chance, you know, especially because they had things rolling in a way they never did. So I thought after last year and the way they were building for the future, I was like, wow, I really feel like, you know, if he coaches six more years, I feel like he's well positioned for the next three or four here at least. Um, and to see it unravel this way and to see just how shabbily everything was handled the last week. Um, it was, it was insulting. You know, I, I just think there could have been a, a more upfront way of kind of approaching this topic. And I, and I thought the whole, you know, j- just to throw away this whole season was unfair. I thought to the players, I know Devin Carter came out and said, Oh no, no one tanked anything. But I mean, th- this team lost five of six games after being nine and two in the big East. I mean, I, that seems unfathomable. Um, so the whole thing is just so frustrating. I, I truly can't state this enough that it took 12 years to get here. And, and some are going to say, Billy, the best 
team might have been the pandemic year team that won you know, five straight games against ranked opponents or could even potentially have been last year, right, with the Sweet 16 run. But at the end of the day, we had this position in which we never held of getting these SEC transfers mixed with top-level talent coming in that obviously is decommitted with the coaching change. It just unraveled so quickly, and it felt like we were potentially going to get to that illustrious Elite Eight Final Four type program-changing run, and it just all unraveled before we got there. And Ed always talked about from his introductory press conference the want to go on that big run, Final Four national championship. And there are always going to be people who refer to the fact that Ed Cooley has a losing record in the NCAA tournament, a losing record in the Big East tournament. But that, to me, that's one thing. The fact that we were in the moment on Friday night against Kentucky, and we had been so hot, so consistently ranked for so while, for such a long time this season, and how it just unraveled, it'll always be a big what-if in my mind. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's just, and again, I go back to the fact that to me, this season was almost a bit transitional too. You know, I was like, if they make the tournament this year with a whole new team, that's great. But they've got Garway Duval, Drew Fielder, Kayvon Mulready, potentially Kurt Tang coming in. And they've been getting almost whoever they want in the portal. It, it just seemed like it was so well set up for success. In, and everyone says, well, Cooley gave you 12 years. Absolutely. You know, if a coach gives you a decade, that's, that's crazy in today's world. But to your point what you just said and and we've talked about you know on the phone before today it took 12 years to get to a point where it felt like we were truly breaking through we had breakthrough Mm -hmm. players like chris don and and ben bento but this felt like it was gonna be our most loaded roster um ever and um again i could have never imagined this falling apart as quickly as it did and i mean next year i can't even fathom what that's going to look like at um at the end but we'll talk about that in a bit I just want to be clear, too. We are not here on this emergency episode 28 of the Friar podcast to talk about all these rumors and talk about our fan base at sometimes going bananas on the Internet. Right. I don't care about that stuff. Kevin doesn't care about that stuff. We're basketball guys. Right. We want to talk basketball and we want to talk about what the future of our program looks like and what this fit could mean for Ed Cooley. Why don't we start there, Kev? I want to get your initial reaction to Ed choosing Georgetown, right? Like he has had conversations with Michigan. He has had interest from other schools. His team has certainly set him up in the past to interview for different jobs. He could have potentially been the Boston college coach before he was the PC coach. Like there has been different times where Ed Cooley has looked outside and you, and you were smart in the sense of, Hey, Ed Cooley's probably not going to be here forever. But why Georgetown? Yeah, I again, when the, his name was thrown out there in January, I said, there's no way to hell he's going to. And it wasn't Georgetown, but I was like, I can't imagine a million, million years him ever wanting to come back here and play, you know, at the end. Um, so when that was thrown out there, I was like, I, I don't see it at all. And it was amazing how much steam it picked up at the, the week of the Big East tournament. And even a little bit before, you know, and, and it, it just spiraled so fast. And even, you know, we didn't mention this 
earlier, we're recording this on Wednesday night, right? So he just had his press conference today. It's still so bizarre to see him on. It's like we're in in some alternate universe. I'm like, I'm I'm really Mm -hmm. watching Ed Cooley's press conference at Georgetown. He's saying almost the exact same speech he said at PC like 12 years ago, only plugging in, you know, go Hoyas at the end. Um, Making a lot of the same jokes and, you know, doing the long pause for home and I said, this is, this is bizarre. Um, and that's the thing. It's going to be so bizarre. It's, I mean, it's going to add so much intrigue, you know, I mean, we're going to follow Georgetown and I'm sure people are going to get pissed next year when I'm running about Georgetown a lot, but like, that's going to be a huge story. I'm going to follow their recruiting. I'm going to follow everything he's doing. And, um, it, it's amazing how quickly, um, not only it fell apart, but how quickly PC all of a sudden has a public enemy number one. Um, and, and it's and it's too bad because you can appreciate everything Kula did here. And I'm not trying to completely bury the guy because he did wonderful things here, you know. And by all accounts, from what we knew, he was a he was a great guy and a great person who did a lot for the community, obviously. Um, but just to throw it all away just seems so bizarre. For me, why I think Ed Cooley chose Georgetown is a couple big reasons. Number one, I think underratedly that people are not talking about enough is his prior recruiting history in the DMV, right? He's gotten some big guys at PC to come up North. Obviously Nate Watson and Jared Bynum are the first that, that come to mind. Um, There are certainly a couple others in, in, in recent years that have come up North. And I think the second thing obviously is his connection to the Thompsons and you know, when obviously John Thompson uh, Jr. passed away, he he had the towel over his back. He wore the T-shirt. Um, there was certainly a lot of love for John Thompson throughout Cooley's career, which he's been pretty transparent about. And I think those are two totally fine reasons. It's just at the end of the day, you're still going to have to play us twice a year. And, the, like, and yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, too, I mean, recruiting, it's not just who they got at PC, but who they missed out on. You know, Hunter Dickinson is the big star at at Michigan. Cooley probably thinks, you know, he's a kid from that area. If he's at Georgetown, maybe he gets this five-star center. You know, there's probably guys that they went after. I'm sure, you know, Earl Timberlake kind of flamed out. He was a top 50 guy that, you know, chose Miami over PC. There's probably tons of guys that I'm forgetting from that area off the top of my head. Um so I, I'm sure he feels like he was that close to getting some of these guys. And, and I think it was Dickinson. There was a couple of guys I heard that they, they basically just said like Providence doesn't have the brand, you know, and that was a big factor for a lot of these guys. Um, and the other thing too, that people are really underrating is Cooley knows this conference, right? If you go to Michigan, um, as much as, you know, that conference kind of flames out come tournament time, like that, that's a, that's a tough conference, right? It, it's probably deeper than the big East. Um, although the biggies now, God, you had Pacino at St. John's, it's a lot harder, but I do think that's part of the appeal too. Like Cooley kind of knows how to game plan for a lot of these teams. He knows he's kind of grown up in the big East, you know, he was here at Boston college and obviously PC for 12 years. So I think that's a factor too. You're not kind of relearning opposing coaches and teams and everything else. So, um, that's probably an easier transition too. Um, so I don't know, Bill. That's just cut some some of the thoughts that came up in my head when we were kind of running through it. Well, yeah, I, I do think there are some deeper synergies, right? His daughter obviously attending school there, close to Providence, 
in, in, in a sense, you know, only a 45 minute flight from home and seeing family, John Thompson connection, the DMV connections, but in terms of the, in terms of the brand of Georgetown, right. I just want to get into this, right. This is a team that I think may be a little bit inflated historically, considering they've only won one national championship and they've been to a handful of final fours, right. There's a very short window of success for the school that is kind of parlayed into pop culture of college basketball that I just don't think is as illustrious as, 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 you know, teams that they're grouped with like a, like a Syracuse or I don't know, maybe even a West Virginia, this, this Georgetown brand that Ed Cooley's walking into is going to be challenging because at the end of the day, what does the Ed Cooley story mean at Georgetown? What does Ed Cooley's relationship look like comparative to what it was with Bob Driscoll or, or Father Shanley? That, they had an amazing partnership here. That was a huge part of his success at Providence was his relationship with those in power. And I'm just curious to see how it transpires for him when things potentially aren't going well to start because he's in a new program or maybe they do start off well. And then maybe things as you play in a competitive conference every night, you know, you're not winning 13, 14 big East games in a season. I, I'm really curious to see what things look like for Ed comparative to the parachute that he had at times in Providence because of his story and because of his connections to the administration. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe it's being older. I still think they are a huge brand in college basketball. I mean, I, I think it's unfair to set the barometer at, like, national championships because how many schools have won one? So they were in, what, three Final Fours in the 80s. They had the most biggest tournament championships of any league, any team in the league. Um, you know, then they had Alonzo Mori and Matumbo. Then they had Iverson in the late 90s where they were, you know, uh, an Elite Eight team with the first pick overall. Uh, and they were a Final Four team in what 2000? I don't know, seven or eight. Um, and and then people, it's easy to forget, but in the years leading up to the start of the new Big East, they were a top, you know, two, three, four, five seed almost every year in the in the tournament. Um, and they really fell off in this new league. And it's crazy that the Big East has done as well as it did when everyone thought so much of the league's hopes had to be pinned on Georgetown. And they were like them and Marquette and Marquette's bounced back now, but they took it. I don't think Marquette won a tournament game in the new big East until this year. Um, you know, so I, I still think they were, they're not that far removed from being a consistent, you know, team that expected to be like a top four seed in the tournament. Um, what's interesting and what's different is, you know, John Thompson, the third, he was in the tournament like seven years, seven times out of, you know, 12, 13 years. And he had made regionals. He made the final four and he was gone, you know, two years removed from reaching the tournament, maybe three years removed. Um, so that's the difference. You know, I don't think they were ever going to fire Ed Cooley at Providence. Like I, I don't know under what circumstance that would have happened. Whereas, um, yeah, and I'm sure Cooley's more confident with the transfer portal. He can do what he did, did last year and build through the portal. But, um, you know, I, I just think there'll be a grace period at, at Georgetown, but it's not that kind of coach for life, you know, we're worth you no matter what, that it was at PC. 
And you made a great point that I was just about to bring up on the transfer portal, right? Does this move ease the anxiety of leaving a place where you would potentially never get fired because you have the ability to just pick and pull from a list, an endless list of potential prospects who weren't happy somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing there's, and they may have a greater reach now too, you know, I, but with that being said, you know, Bryce Hopkins don't become available every year. I mean, that's as much as the last few weeks of a season were disappointing. Like, though that level of impact transfer is hard to get um so it'll be interesting i mean they've got to build the portal they basically have no team coming back um and we'll see if any of their players who like denver anglin was a really good shooter out of high school as a freshman this year who barely played he announced he was transferring but he was at the press conference today you know and i think there's gonna be a lot of guys like i i put a tweet out there about um i think i retweeted the picture of like coolie at georgetown today and Garway Duall liked it and Andre Mills who's a really good recruit out of Boston liked it so um they'll get guys but I, I think yeah there's a def- definitely more of if there wasn't the transfer portal said the way it was now I have questions over with over if Cooley at 53 years old would have been like okay I can have that like because at PC I'm sure he was thinking it's going to be a in probably a three-year window before I can really build this thing back up. And now you can just build it so much faster. And their infrastructure was in a Georgetown now is a much better place than PC was in 2011. Um, so I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure in his head, he's like, I just rebuilt a, a team in one off season. I can do that again here. And if I don't do it in year one, I'll probably do it in year two. So I'm sure he's fully confident that he can do it. Um, and I, I think, you know, he, he probably does think that, the Georgetown brand is going to carry me from further. And, and that's a narrative that Bill, we talked about and no fire fans are bristling at and rightfully so. I, I feel like the John Fantas and the Jeff Gibbons of the world now who, you know, especially the guy like Fanta, like they propped up PC so much. And now it seems like they're, you know, taking PC down a bit, especially Goodman today. That was ridiculous. It was, his series of tweets about coaches basically saying that Georgetown was a better job to win an online debate with Dave Portnoy, who was trolling him. And he basically just, to me, tore Providence down. And, um, and that was one thing that as this was going down and, and Bill, we talked about this before, I was like, hope this doesn't turn into what the Red Sox do, right? When Nomar Garcia Parra leaves, uh, he was a malcontent. Terry Francona leaves. He had all sorts of issues. Like if you're going to make a decision to leave, just leave. You know, we don't need to hear about, why what you're leaving behind is why you need to leave it behind, right? And I we don't know for sure if that comes directly from Cooley, but this guy's just kind of, you know, speaking their opinion. But I hope that didn't come from Cooley, where it's kind of like, hey, we were really limited Providence. This is like as far as I could take it. But I, I know that's the narrative. And, and if I'm Steve Knapp, if I'm anyone in PC who's helped build it, if I'm Bob Driscoll who's retired, you know, to me, that's an insult, and it's kind of um, a big motivator now to be like, okay, we're we're not, you know, going to completely fall off the map now just because Ed Cooley's gone. This time period has been such a deeply emotional one for fans and administrators, for people around the program, and and being a part of this Twitter war between Portnoy and Jeff Goodman, it, it just frankly 
is exactly why this situation is so hard because we're being compared to a big East rival and anything now in the media for the coming months. And, and that is just a tough thing to have when you're going into recruiting, you're going to have a new head coach, you're starting a new era. And the other thing is Jeff Goodman's brought up this point a lot about Ed Cooley being liked in Providence and him being able to take not being liked. This is the part where I don't have the sympathy for Ed in the sense of Ed is my guy. I totally appreciate everything he's done with us for the past 12 years. He brought us back in so many ways. And the biggest was probably the brand getting fans to wear our logo, Nike deals, fan interaction, transfer portal. But but Ed Cooley coming back to PC, that game is going to be absolutely insane. What do you think, Kev, about the potential of Ed Cooley stepping in the amp next season? Yeah, if you're listening and you have kids, do not bring your kids to this game. I I genuinely think, I don't think eight months, nine months, what are we, how many months away, 10 months, 11 months, is going to change the vitriol. I think it's going to be so nasty in there. And I'm trying to think, I remember... I was trying to think of any sporting event I've been to where it was a big return of somebody that was hated. And I remember the closest thing I could think of was when Roger Clemens left and went to the Blue Jays and he like pitched this killer game. And, you know, I mean, the, the amount of anger at Fenway Park that day was wild. And I'm sure there's other things we're trying to think of, but I can't think of anything PC related. Um, anything close to this, but I don't know. And that's something you got, you got totally a- obvious. I don't know. You, you got to think about this, right? When Ed starts the season next year as head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas, will it be in the back of his head that he didn't take us to the Elite Eight Final Four NCAA tournament? Will it bring him back to different memories he's had through the years of winning a Big East regular season title or winning a Big East tournament or making a Sweet 16 run what will be going through his mind as he literally steps into the same conference of the team and the city that he loved and just identified with for so long? Ed Cooley on the CBS special, literally two months ago, said the words, there's no better fit in college basketball than me and Providence. I am Providence. It's been an amazing run here. He welcomed Clark Kellogg into his home to talk about all this on a national setting. And now he is the coach of a Big East ride. It's just, I wonder what's going to go through his head because he is a guy who likes to be liked. He's very personable. He likes to be out in in the forefront. I can only imagine the emotion that's going to go through his head and his body as he returns home as an enemy. Yeah, I mean, I think like any of us, we always do when we go through significant change, he'll just compartmentalize. You know, I doubt he's going to be reflecting back on what could have been. He'll probably tell himself, like, I did all I could. I brought him to a certain point. I was great to them. It was time for me to move on. I, you know, like anyone, we, we justify every decision we make. And um, especially this year, it's going to be his first year in a new place. Um, you know, but, you know, Bill, I mean, 
never mind the Clark Kellogg special. On Sunday night with Maury, he was saying, Providence is still my dream job. And, you know, less than 24 hours, he was gone. So he just seemed so conflicted in that interview with Maury. Maury, by the way, has been crushing it. I saw him at the um, Steve Knapp press conference on, what was it, Monday? Monday afternoon. And I, I told him, man, he's been awesome. Um, he did a great job with the roundtable he had that night with Cooley. Um, but it was just bizarre. You know, I, I think, and I've used that word now probably 10 times, but we never saw Cooley talk in circles and seem unsure of himself. And he just looked like a different guy. And maybe it was just a matter of like, you're going through a breakup that you don't really want to do, but you actually do want to move on. You don't know how to tell someone. He just circled it. And then that's the thing with these jobs. Then you're gone. You know, like, it's not like there's a closing press conference here in Providence. You hop on a flight the next day and you're in DC today and it's over. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it's like, not just in the arena, but in the press room afterwards, you know, because a lot of people have taken them to task, you know, and, and we've seen times where Cooley's really bristled. I mean, this year, um, you know, multiple times, you know, I think Brendan McGarry or someone asked a question, but, the rotation once and he was like well you're a better coach than i am i don't know what, what would you have done i guess i messed up you know he he would bristle a little bit and there was obviously no criticism anywhere near this so it was, if he's going to feel like there's some level of betrayal and people piling on and just the whole scene's going to be interesting and bill the one thing i thought of which is kind of funny um we had interviewed ted bank bancroft remember ted was talking about how i don't know if i can't remember if ted said if cooley said it or they just knew but when PC played Fairfield or Boston College, those were his old teams, and we absolutely are not losing this game. And mm -hmm. um, that's going to be ramped up times a million, especially at the dunk next year. Um, you know, as much as Cooley's going to say publicly, he understands the frustration. This is going to sting so bad. And it's probably going to turn to anger and like, like any competitor, the desire to like stick it up our ass and be like, okay, you, you want to dump it on me? Like, I have something for you in turn. Yeah. Well said on all accounts, Kev. And where I'm going to take this next is I want to talk about guys on the current roster, some of the decommitments and kind of where we go from here. As we've clearly, we've clearly covered Ed's transition to Georgetown and we, I want to bring it back to us. So let's, let's go down, let's go down the horn here. I just want to say that I feel terrible for Bryce Hopkins. Because the way that the Kentucky game went was not how it should have went for him. Yeah. He, he was not featured the right way. I did not like the offensive sets around him. He, he did not look poised. He looked rushed. You know, he was kind of just searching for fouls at points. And, and that wasn't how it should have went for a guy who transferred to a school and has done nothing but all the right things since he's gotten here. And I just want to start off with him first. He's probably going to test the NBA waters. He is an NBA level type player. I would assume that that's his main goal right now. So mixing that in with transferring is, is a little sticky. So I'm really curious to see what Bryce Hopkins ends up deciding on his fate here in Friartown as he looks to make the next step. Number one, most importantly, similar, but different situation with Devin Carter. You know, he didn't win defensive player of the year. You know, he kind of got snubbed from all Big East in a way. You know, he's, he was right there in the conversation. And he showed so much passion for PC all season. And I wonder from his standpoint is, 
you know, do I stay at Providence because I've identified so well with this fan base and I can make my own sort of legacy here. And then going down the roster, I could see a guy like Alan Breed potentially transferring without Cooley around. I could see Corey Floyd sticking around because he'll probably have a role carved out for him next year. And the legacy aspect. And the legacy aspect. I could see a guy like Rafael Castro potentially staying because we have no big presence. Right. Or potentially going. And I am worried about the positional depth, anybody to play in our front court for next year and what we can do with the transfer portal immediately with the new coach. Kev, I'm curious your thoughts about the current roster and where they could be headed. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us have a clue as far as like where anyone could go. I think Hopkins is so interesting because I don't, I think some of the flaws in his game as an NBA prospect kind of showed up late in the season, right? Like, his three-point percentages were good, but I didn't consider him like a knockdown shooter. I thought you know, his mid-range game wasn't quite there yet. Defensively, he had some lapses. That being said, if Bryce Hopkins returns to college basketball next year, he's probably a top, and this might be conservative, like 20 player in college basketball next year. So his options are going to be crazy, right? He can probably go wherever he wants. Um I think it's interesting that as of, you know, 7.30 right now on Wednesday night, other than Bynum, we knew was leaving. No one's announced they're transferring, you know, and I'm not sure if that Steve Knapp somehow convincing them, like, sit tight, just wait till we get our new coach. And we're going to get to that in a sec. Um, to me, the longer it goes, the better. Um, we'll get there, but having studied a lot about Kim English the last 24, 40 hours, having listened to three of his longer podcasts, He's a powerful um, kind of like alpha coach in a young guy who I think is really going to connect. So if he's the guy, and I hope he is, um, boy, listen to a couple podcasts. It's hard not to be sold. And I'm I'm not – I'm kind of a cynical person. And I was like, well, before they can get to replace Cooley, Patino's gone. Like, is it Chris Mack? I, I don't really want like a mid-major guy. Uh, but, man, I, I was sold pretty quick. And it's hard not to be if you listen to him. So. Um, that's where I'm at with these guys. Just hold, hold on as long as you can. Hopefully they can announce a hiring in the next, you know, 24 hours. You know, Brendan McGair put out there that, um, English was on campus today. Um, and there was all sorts of rumors that was happening. K-Mac said not yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be so intriguing, you know, and my hope is that if they get a young guy in here in his early thirties who just played in the NBA and, you know, you hear English talk, he's talking about when they had Paulo Bancaro on campus and all these guys he recruited, his connections to NBA guys, he's, you can tell he's got a great story. Um, and there's a lot there. So I think the longer these guys can hold out, the better PC's chances are, obviously, of getting him, but uh, getting him to stay. But I really think if he comes in, he's going to be a guy that impresses a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys. I really hope Jaden Pierre stays. Um, I really hope Corey Floyd stays. I just want to see these young guys kind of stay intact. And I think Bill, too, one thing we haven't talked about, is Cooley going to have the gall to go ahead and try and get Hopkins or any of these guys to come? I mean, that would be like next level. We think things are ratcheted up now. If that happened, it's going to be even more 
insane that they have next year. I, I, I can't even imagine any of these guys coming back and playing for Georgetown, but I couldn't imagine Cooley as a Georgetown coach. So what do I know? I, I think there are some synergies that are clearly outlined with Kim English. Number one, played at Notre Dame prep. Number two, former Rick Barnes assistant. Number three, his Wikipedia page already says he is a coach in the Big East Conference. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I like that he played in the NBA. I like that he's younger. I like his personality. I think there are some key traits here that could really sort of ease the blow of this big transition with English compared to some of the other candidates. In terms of Shrewsbury, it just didn't seem like there's an excitement around coming to the Big East compared to being Penn State, where well, you have did, a bigger and he just had Notre Dame tonight. Yeah, and it's 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 yeah. and, and and he sees probably a different NIL pool already from yeah. a Penn State perspective, and he understands how to be a head coach for a team that also has a football team. So you know that probably makes sense as a hire there. And it probably makes more sense of a hire for Kim English. I mean, the A10, we've seen to we've seen to take in a decent amount of guys from the A10, whether players or or, or, or different connections, and it seems to work out. Um, yeah. At I the mean, end of the day, I'm I'm curious your thoughts, Kevin. What you, what else you've listened to from English? Um, he's a great. He's going to be a great communicator. You can tell. Just listen to him. He basically. It seems like he's a very blunt, straight shooter. He's going to tell guys exactly where they stand. Um, that was his big thing. That he's a he, you know, without saying it, is essentially in all these podcasts I've heard, just the stories he's sharing about delivering bad news to players, delivering honest news to players. It seems like he'll just be really upfront. And he's a guy. He said, I think he's 32, 34. I forget. Thirty four. But he gets in there and he runs in practice. Like, he's, he's like, I could still be playing professionally now. He, he played in the NBA. He just decided to quit. Sam Hinkie, who was the, um, you know, the um, the GM of the uh, Sixers, and Daryl Morey, I guess, loved him. And they wanted to hire him in, like, his early to mid-20s. And he basically said that he could see where things are going in Philly. And he knew that if he went to the Sixers, essentially, that, you know, he could be under a lame duck GM and he got fired the next year and he made the right choice to go to college. Um, he's just a really impressive guy. And I wouldn't be, went into those pods being like, I'll just listen, see what's up. I kind of re- read a lot about him, but hearing him speak, I mean, he's, I, I'm probably butchering it, but he is just a really impressive guy to listen to just his, his perspective on the game. Um, and kind of, I think, I think he sees the game and, in a way that it's evolved. You know, he played in the league not long ago. Um, he talked a lot about how he balances analytics with his feel. And there's just a lot to like about his perspective about the game and just his command when you hear him speak. So I think if he's the guy that gets in there, um, I, again, who knows what goes into players' decisions to transfer, especially with NIL nowadays. Um, we have no idea what goes into it. But I would be shocked if um, – some of, the, some of the guys, a good number of the guys didn't stay or at the very least weren't really impressed by him because he's a really impressive guy. Do you think it's pretty much a done deal that Jared Bynum will reunite with Ed Cooley in the DMV? Um, I, no, I, no I, I didn't. I don't know. I hadn't really 
when he transferred, I hadn't really thought of it um, as a definite. And again, you don't know too, um, you know, Primo Spears at Georgetown, he went into the portal. Would he come back, you know, and, and is that preferred for Cooley? Because you can get Spears for another two or three years. Um, and who knows? And who knows what Bynum wants? You know, he might not want to be in the Big East another year. I was, I thought he'd just move on and play professionally. I wasn't thinking that he was going to play college again. Um, so that would be interesting. Uh, that would kind of add some intrigue. I don't think, and Bill, I don't know how you feel. I wouldn't feel like that was any sort of slight to PC. I felt like Bynum was done with Providence and the fans were kind of yeah. ready to move on to the next generation of guys. So if he ended up there, I don't think that would be any added layer of drama. It would be a, a subplot, but I don't think that would be any sort of feeling of betrayal from the fans. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think. Mutually beneficial. Yeah. Exactly. Time for time for time for Bynum to move on. Time and for cool. our fans to move on. Yeah, and Cooley might want a guy too. He's like, okay, this guy knows my system. He can, he can show you like our work ethic and how things are done here. But who knows? Again, we have no idea what goes into these things. And there's been no reports about who's reached out to Bynum, which may be a sign that it's going to be Georgetown. They're kind of keeping on the DL. Um, and then, you know, that guy from TCU, Eddie Lampkin, the big guy, that was kind of a funny story where, you know, I don't know if Cooley told him to pump the brakes where the night Cooley goes to Georgetown, he's coming to Georgetown after Cooley recruited him to PC. Um, which, again, not a great look, but with everything that's going on, I mean, to be honest, it's that's secondary to me. Uh, again, not a great look. I kind of rolled my eyes. And at the moment, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But I don't know. I've kind of moved on from that story already. Uh, what do you think, Bill, about that one? I think Ed Cooley has to be able to take the heat in the kitchen for making this type of move. Ed could have went to Texas like Rick Barnes or could have went to, you know, another school like Rick Patino or Pete Gillen that wasn't in conference. I'm not saying he was going to get recruited by as big of a brand of Texas or, you know, Louisville or Virginia, but you're kind of putting it on yourself here again, by having to step into the amp twice being the first to, to transfer coaching jobs in conference and understanding our fan base and how they can be you're, you're opening yourself up there. And with the recruiting that, that just, that's just adding gasoline on the fire of, of what were you doing as we were about to prepare to go on an NCAA tournament run, which we're not a school rich in, in that field. We're, we're, we're hungry to continue right. to achieve NCAA tournament success. What were you doing with these recruits, with these current players? And this brings up the next topic, which Kevin and I wait, were wait, talking Bill, about. Bill, super quick, oh. super quick. I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you yeah. think there's any chance that Cooley's like, how oh, the hell with it? Let's just go full heel. Like I'll recruit whoever I'll, you know, what do you think the chances are where that he's basically like, we're no holds barred now. I genuinely think, Ed Cooley knows no way other than to give it 100%. And I could imagine him just going after whatever and doing whatever yeah, because right, he's moved on because he's moved on. And the saddest thing for me in this whole process, as, as I went through this, I, you know, here's a quick story. I was leaving a PC game when I was, I don't know, maybe 23, 24. And I went to twin Oaks after the game par for the course, you know, and I was sitting next to this guy who also had a PC jersey on when I was with, was with a friend of mine. 
And he was like, oh, you're a big fan. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I went into it. And he was like, wow, like you really know a lot about the team. And you've been following it this my whole life, uh, you know, your whole life. And he's like, I'm going to call Ed right now. And I'm going to see if he wants to talk with you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fine, sure. Middle of Twin Oaks, main dining room. Probably some sort of New York sirloin or chicken parm on the table. I was on the phone with Ed Cooley talking about PC basketball. And, you know, he asked, you know, how I was a big fan of my whole life. And, you know, said he wanted to meet me at a game. Years later, I'm obviously in the media. Like, I love this man to no end. And, oh, and still will, no matter what. But the way everything was handled on the way out for the players, for his staff, for us as a community at PC, for the potential trajectory to add to something we hadn't seen with, you know, like a final, an Elite Eight or Final Four, and kind of have that all go out the window for a Big East rival. It's tough. It's tough to swallow, man. And, and, and I have no doubts that he's going to do his best to block that out of his head and just go full force. But at the end of the day, we're human beings. And I, I just can't see how he, he, he wouldn't think of that from time to time. And these coaches hear everything, you know, like sometimes you're like, am I writing to, am I writing in a vacuum here until you write something negative or put something out there? You know, they hear every last thing. And obviously now he doesn't have to look very hard. But, um, uh, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of these coaches do br bristle at any sort of any sort of negativity. And this must just be obviously, obviously something he's never experienced in his life. Um, yeah. And, and it'll be interesting how he kind of processes it and what that results in next year when he does come back. And even throughout the season, you know, I, I kind of compared it to like when LeBron James first year with Miami, he tried to embrace being the heel. It just wasn't his personality. And he kind 100%. of that year. And I'm like, I don't really see Cooley as a guy who's like comfortable being the heel. I think uh, he's going to try. He's going to try, but I, I don't know so if it's going to work. Right. I don't know if it's going to work. Right. I think you're, you're spot on. Yeah. And may, who knows? I guess it maybe doesn't matter if you're a coach, but um, that'll be really interesting. And the one thing that I will say, and again, maybe this will change and maybe he didn't want to jump the gun after Garway Duall decommitted. Um, when he had a list of schools that contacted him, Georgetown wasn't on there. And, you know, we could look foolish because, again, Garway's liking tweets tonight about Cooley being at Georgetown. But at least for that one night, it's not like, you know, Cooley jumped on it right away and they were contacting him. But with that being said, they've got the relationship there. And, you know, if he was going to Providence, he's, you know, and Cooley's the main reason why. I'm sure Cooley could very easily get him back to Georgetown uh, or to Georgetown. So, it's going to be so interesting. But anyway, what, what were you thinking, Bill? What do you want to touch on next? I wanted to talk about the staff because Kyron Cartwright joined the staff this year, and he's a Providence guy. But Dante Henn has been on the staff, been promoted on the staff, and he's a Providence guy. Jeff Battle has been with Cooley a good amount of time now, and he's an older guy. I don't know if he probably wanted to pick, pack up and leave. Ivan Thomas, Brian Blaney seem to have been, you know, through and through with Cooley for a long time right now. Yeah. I truly wonder what the staff's reaction to this was, right? They were in a unique situation in an industry where you have to constantly keep moving to succeed. And they had found a place where they were having new success at a school that maybe hadn't seen that NCAA tournament success in past coaches. They were growing with Ed Cooley. They were Ed Cooley guys. Some of them played at Providence. Some have been with them for, 
10, 15 years, probably at least 12 years. Yeah. And it just all changes overnight. I can only imagine their reaction. Yeah, I mean, but they, they knew, you know, they, they knew this is coming. If we knew a couple of weeks ago, they knew. I, and I think the, the only ones I'm curious about are LaDante, Cartwright, and Ken White, right? He had been the health um, strength coach, strength coach there since I maybe going back to Tim Welsh. He's a really good strength coach. So, um, you know, Ivan Thomas is from Virginia. I think Battle's a Philly guy, but all of his recruits are – a lot of them are D.C., Virginia, North Carolina. Yep, North, North Carolina. Yep. And they're best friends, so he's – I can't imagine he's going to stay here. And the other thing, too, is, you know, who knows what a new coach is going to want? You know, who's to say he's going to want to bring back anybody that wasn't someone he knew before, too? Um, and Cooley essentially said in his press conference today that, you know, he thinks he'll – he expects most, if not all, of his staff to go with him. Um, so – at this point, it's like it's almost a clean break. I think the one guy I'd like to see stay is LaDante, um, just because his connections to the school. And, you know, from what I heard from people at Providence, they're super high on his upside as a long-term coach, potential head coach one day. I think he's made a really strong impression in a short amount of time. Um, so he's someone as like a high upside guy, kind of keeping the staff younger and relatable. Um you know, we'll see. And I know he's super loyal to Cooley. Um, so we'll see what LaDante does, but he's one guy I'd love to see them retain. To round out this emergency episode of the Friar podcast, I want to go through some rapid fire topics, Kev, in which we'll give our thoughts on. Um, the first, I'm going to, I'm just going to kick it off, right? The first was the Ed Cooley housegate. I'm going to call it housegate, right? <laughs> John, John Rothstein is literally posting Ed Cooley's Zillow listing on the internet, which is just in itself is just an absolutely ridiculous thing to talk about as, as, as a sentence, right? I want to, I want to kick things off by saying, you know, to, to the fans out there that I knew that Ed Cooley was selling his house well before it went into the media and Kev, and Kev can verify. Cause I told him he's the only person I told him. because I'm in the Rhode Island circles. Rhode Island's a very small place. So I knew about this at least a couple weeks before it went live. But I'll tell you something. I'm not the type of person to break news on the internet. Heck, there's a lot of fans out there that I've seen their tweets, and I have no idea how you could tweet what you tweeted. Talking about somebody's personal life, talking about them selling their house, talking about allegations with their family. I'm just not into stuff like that. But I can tell you, that I knew this Ed Cooley house thing was coming down the pipe before it happened. And it did sort of shake me up a little bit. Um, I just, I just think again, like Kevin and I opened up this episode, the most important thing for us moving forward is going to be basketball. It's going to be the lack of bigs on the roster. It's going to be who stays and who goes. It's going to be, who takes the helm if Kim English and how they're able to stabilize this. And frankly, you know, Ed Cooley selling his house prior, you know, different allegations against him. That's truly not important because he's not our head coach anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bill, I mean, I, once you told me that, I think the wind was taken out of my sails a little bit. And that was during the season, you know, not in, and to be clear, 
we're not talking like mid-January. It was later in the season. But right, right. when things started to fall apart, we heard about this news. And again, you, you can't – we don't know for sure that's why the season fell apart. But I think for both of us, like we talked that night, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And basically watched the last, what, three games of the year, two games of the year with that knowledge. And it just, for me, it made it like – it made the games feel so secondary. It was like, I almost just wanted to fast forward to this point in the year and just know if he was gone, you know? And, and again, I think that's a big reason why, you know, the Kentucky game had no buzz and everyone kind of felt the same way. Um, and that was, that was unfortunate. It just really was. Next topic is how do we feel our good friend, Steve Knapp has weathered the storm here. I, I just want to give a shout out to Knapp he's obviously my guy. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but you know, Bob Driscoll didn't have to deal with this. This is for sure. Like, obviously he had to change the mindset of, you know, the athletics program of PC of, you know, we're not just a little guy. We can compete with the best, but Snap is in a very unique situation. And I've liked his tenacity of attacking the situation and saying, Hey, I'm going to go out and get the best guy I can, or it's on me. And I like how he, in his conversation with Maury, again, shout out to Maury. He's been absolutely phenomenal. That Nap didn't waver. He had, he didn't waver on the, the, the subject of Georgetown not contacting him. He didn't waver on any sort of bit of our program or our status as an athletic Big East program. And he just kept going back to the fact of saying this conference was founded on integrity and class and the highest level of athletics. So I want to give a shout out to our guy, Steve Knapp. Yeah, I thought, you know, he's had to grow into the role really fast this year. I mean, I remember thinking, Bill, when we first were talking about Cooley's house being the market, I'd say to you, like, oh, poor Nap. Like, this guy has not been in this job for mm-hmm. what, nine months, and he's dealing with, you know, what we thought was a generational coach here. Um, you know, and I, I thought he, he grew increasingly more impressive as the week went on. And it's been an amazing turn. You know, Steve got all sorts of crap for, you know, the tall boys going away. And there seemed to be a lot of negativity directed towards him late in the season because of that. Um, and I felt like he he just took a really strong stand. I thought he was great at Maury. And even better the next day at the press conference. I mean, he was really collected and um, the right combination of confident with like a slight bit of an edge, which is what you want right now you want a little bit of defiance and not like a we're getting buried here. And, and it felt genuine, you know, sometimes when guys have, you know, they're trying to come off with a level of bravado, it seems like he's trying to convince us that everything's fine, but I got the sense that he's confident, you know? Um, and obviously they're moving quickly. That press conference was Monday. And that was my fear was that, you know, when they hired Cooley, let's face it, Kino's last year, they had months to try and figure it out and, work back channels and see who'd be interested. Uh, and they landed on Cooley, which is a great hire. And a lot of time to do research, you know? Um, and as much as they say, you know, we have guys who are thinking about the pipeline because you never know what's going to happen. No one could have been prepared for Cooley to leave this soon. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone's really prepared for that. Um, so if it is Kim English, it ends up being um, an impactful hire, you know, kudos to Steve for being that prepared. But I just thought he did a great job this week. Um, I thought he was really strong, especially on Monday in the presser. I thought he handled that great. And it kind of changed the tone a little bit. You know, I, I, I didn't love 
the way Georgetown, you know, acted, obviously. Um, I do think that Val Ackerman could have done more to get in the, you know, slow that down a little bit. But let's be honest, this is a business. And what's better for the Big East is, you know, there's a reason why, you know, Fox wanted UConn to leave. There's a reason why no one's getting in the way of Georgetown because they don't want to piss off the biggest endowment in the, in the league. Um, and I think it's a reminder. This week's been a reminder of where people nationally view Providence. And I think what's been really great is Steve has been pretty transparent and honest that, you know, he doesn't view this as some sort of like stepping stone little brother program. Um, and I think that was the most encouraging thing that Steve did all week. That message, I should say. Yeah. My next thought slash question is why do we honestly think Ed left? And I'm going to kick it off. And I have some pretty, I, I, I honestly don't, I honestly don't know if there's anybody better suited to answer the question like this than me, because I'm a local. I know a lot of people in Rhode Island for better or for worse. Um, you can ask anybody around me what it's like to go out to dinner with me on Fed Hill or, <laughs> you know, Twin Oaks, whatever. I get up like three, four times, always say hi to people. Um, I'm obviously nowhere near where Ed Cooley was, Rhode Island famous wise, but being Rhode Island famous is a thing. When you grow up in a state of, of 900,000 people and you have connections to the one capital city or you went to one of the private schools or you frequent the same restaurants or you go to Narragansett Beach or Bonnet Beach Club or you have a boat down in Westerly or Gansett or Newport, chances are you know a lot of people. I could only imagine what it was like these past couple of years as we went from a brand that was regionally identified to more national, the John Fantas of the world certainly helped us get there. Even the Jeff Goodman, you know, the Friars are lucky. I know the Jeff Goodman, the Friars are lucky type thing. I, I, I like He's absolutely blowing us up right now, but I got to say like that gave us national media attention. And you could see at the games at PC games that there were locals attending those games who were not PC fans did not go to PC it became more of a social event in Rhode Island. I can only imagine what Ed Cooley had to face every time he stepped out his front door. And I'm not going to deny for a second that that's mentally draining. Because no, I, I, but he yeah. cultivated it. He, he did. He, like, he, he did. He loved that though. Like I, I, I don't believe that. I mean, I'm sure there were times it was totally exhausting. I get that, but there was an element of, and I, I asked forever, like, did Providence College ask too much of Ed Cooley? I, you, you always know, said, you always said that. You always I said always that. was like, God, we've made him the face of the school marketer, fundraiser, coach. And, and it's different. I think a story I told to someone, a UConn fan just yesterday that I used to work with. I remember when Andre LaFleur was here, when he first came, I was talking to him. And for folks who weren't watching PC, you know, 10 years ago now. Andre was an assistant who came here from UConn under Jim Calhoun. And he was kind of floored about just how much engagement the head coach has to do with the donors, the big donors at, at PC, just because there's not money coming in from, you know, we're not a big state university. And he said Calhoun basically could have told donors to beat it, you know, and no one cared. But at Providence at the time, there was, I'm sure now there's an element where you have to do a lot more of that at a school like PC. Um, so I'm sure all that was exhausting, um, you know, but it, but I think it, it was also part of his personality. He just wanted to 
take a lot of that on and be the face. So I'm sure it cuts both ways. He wanted to do it, but it was exhausting. And I feel it's hilarious. As someone who's not from Rhode Island, I, you know, I came there for college and you're in a bubble in college. So later in life, when I went there, I was like, I would say like Rhode Island's a giant high school. It's like, mm-hmm. it's weird. It's like, you, it's like you're seeing someone from high school, no matter where you are in that state. It's, it's the most unique thing for someone who's not spent any time there. Um, and you obviously know it better than I do, but it's it just so different in that way. Um, so maybe that was a factor. Who knows? I think it genuinely, I think it, it genuinely was in there somewhere. What percentage it was, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I want to talk about Ed Cooley's legacy. And does this change Ed Cooley's legacy, the way he exited, how he handled things, the NCAA tournament loss? the poor ends of the season, potentially recruiting outside of the PC Brown boundaries, having discussions with the Big East rival during the end of the season. Kev, we'll take your opinion first, and then I'll give mine. One million percent, it changes it. It changes it significantly. And again, that's not to say we both loved Cooley when he was here. And I, I that's not saying you're not appreciating what he did. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, he went three and seven in the in the tournament. You know, I looked at it. From the start of the Big East from 1979 until 2011, PC made the tournament seven times. Then when Cooley was here from 2011 to this year, they made it seven times. Would have been eight if COVID didn't cut that year short. And people can talk about, you know, all the Big East was easier now. Well, it wasn't easier for Georgetown. Yeah, it wasn't easier for Marquette until this year. Like a lot, it wasn't easier for St. John's. You know, it's not like every team that was in there kind of walked into a better situation. You know, you can't discredit him. And that's the one thing I get people are pissed, but now I feel like people are trying to discredit what he accomplished here. And he accomplished a lot. And I'm not going to take that away from him, but on the flip side, this completely changes his legacy. Like I, I wasn't old enough for when Rick Pitino was here and he left and how mad people were, but I heard about it forever. And I'm sure you, you did too, Bill. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, I, we could talk to Craig Layton about it or other fans who, who lived through it this feels like it's on par or it's a similar feeling. Um, and, and rightfully so, you know, just the way this whole thing played out, a season fell apart. You're talking to Georgetown while the season's going on and all of a sudden you're gone and you're, you're within the conference, you know, and when you, when you, and I get, I'm not naive. I know it's a marketing slogan, a tagline. You're talking about us, we together, family fryers and people are using that against him, but, when you talk about family that much and then this is your move, people are going to be pissed, you know, and there's going to be ramifications and it, to me, it taints things forever. Um, And again, it doesn't take away from what he accomplished, but it forever changes the way that he's remembered. Just seeing Ed Cooley with the G on, on, on his body. Gave, gave it should have given you shivers because because if you didn't there might be something wrong with you as a PC fan right it was just so tough to see and his smile associated with it you know especially after some heated battles with Georgetown with you know the Devonte Smith Rivera or different players through 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 the years that have um, you know given us some problems mo- mo- most often than not we've ended up doing okay against Georgetown but that's another story. Um, this does change Ed Cooley's legacy. And it breaks my heart to say that because to be me being a local, you know, to him coming from South Providence to, 
being a great player at Central High School to taking some detours all the way back home to improving our branding, to improving our fan participation and passion, to improving the student section, to improving our overall marketing of the school and being in all those ads, to to bringing us, you know, between when he ripped his pants, like that was a big Barstool thing, to being cool with the Barstool guys, going on different podcasts, making different appearances, going on TV, to then in literally a couple months' time, all of that just going out the window, it, 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 it has to change the legacy. And honestly, as we chatted about offline, it's like, you know, John Mulaney, Dave Gavitt, those guys are, they, they are first class in the, in, in the basketball coaching world, right? Like it's no knock to Ed Cooley that we wouldn't put him higher than those guys. But just the way things ended, and how he kind of handled the situation, it's going to take a very long time for us to get to that point where maybe that statue is built out front, or maybe his maybe he's fully you know he's fully retired as as, as a friar in some way, shape, or form, and that's sad to think about. And Bill, I think to me, why the damage is irreparable, and maybe this is one thing Cooley hadn't thought of, or maybe he doesn't care is this now reinforces that PC is a lower tier school. You know, Cooley came here, and the thing I loved about him was, like, from the very start, he's like, no, we're going to be for national championships, and he set the bar so high. And he used to always talk about, like, I don't want to hear about what a player isn't, what they don't do. I don't want to hear about what they are. And that's kind of what he said about PC. Like, I don't care about our limitations. We're a great place. We're a destination. And if Ed Cooley, of all people, leaves – and it gets floated by to by someone to John Fanta and Jeff Goodman, whoever, like, hey, he coolly felt like he maxed out there. This gives him a better chance at winning a championship. That's the bummer part, because that reinforces that. And maybe it's the reality, you know, maybe so. But it reinforces what Providence fans are probably most insecure about, is that, you know, no matter what, Maybe this isn't a destination spot for coaches, you know, and again, Cooley gave you 12 years, but I think that's where it hurts. It's not just how he left. It's that the message that this reinforces, right? That it's really hard to get it done at, at Providence. And I understand there are challenges here, but people are going to look at it like even Ed Cooley decided like the sweet 16 was the farthest he can go with this program. And he's never come out and said that, but certainly reporters have implied that it's come from him. Um, and that's the really hard thing. That's going to be a thing that's going to be even harder to me to get over than how he left. It's that he did such a great job of kind of building up how Providence was perceived. And now that perception has taken a huge hit because he left in the way he did. Amen. We're going to be compared on social media to being Georgetown's little brother for a little bit of time now. And, and, and that's, and that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow on a team that has now had better recruits, a huge upgrade in facilities, amazing fan participation and student participation comparative to Georgetown, especially in recent years. And just a mindset that we're not the little brother, right? We, that was Bob Driscoll's vision was that we wouldn't be the little brother. And then we haven't been in recent years, but just being associated with that is it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not easy, but 
we're excited about the potential of Kim English being that guy to kind of right the ship, add some transfers, keep some guys in town. And above all, I just want to say to the fans, I know there's a lot of negative stuff out there on Twitter, you know, people talking about, even with the rumors of like, you know, when Cooley was taking flights or, you know, his personal life and stuff like that. We need to get back to basketball. Ed Cooley's gone. He's not coming back anytime soon. I already said it once on the podcast, right? We need to get back to understanding that we hold the ability to keep this ship going, to keep going to games, to keep the student section up, to keep this as the centerpiece of Rhode Island sports. It's up to us. It's not who's left. And it has to do with somebody who's coming in, but it has to do with us because we've been here. And I want to see all of Friartown in this new season, whoever our head coach is or whoever's playing for the Friars, as passionate about PC more than any coach or more than any particular changes to the program. No matter what, Friars first for life. And we're not transferring, right? We're still going to be Friar basketball on the Friar podcast? We are not transferring. <laughs> there, there may be rumors out there. You guys are Kevin, stuck with us. There may be rumors that Kevin and I would do some, you know, maybe move to the D.C. area. But guess what? We're New England guys. We're not going anywhere. As always, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. For Kevin Farahar, I'm Billy Ritchie. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 28 of the Friar Podcast. And we'd, of course, like to thank Kevin Farahar for joining us to discuss the Ed Cooley departure of the potential candidate, Kim English. As always, you can find us on Twitter, at the Friar Podcast, and on Instagram, at the Friar Podcast slash Friar Basketball. We'll be back in the coming weeks, and as always, go Friars.